0: all rock rockstar nation listen up i have the solutions if you are looking to build a massive wonderful team that nets you a million bucks a year net 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 not eci but net i went to omaha nebraska and i hung out with jeff cone and the omaha's elite real estate group and filmed everything about how they sell 600 homes a year how Jeff nets over a million bucks consistently and doesn't go on listing appointments or buyer's appointments, doesn't even take calls from angry clients because nobody really knows Jeff. They know Omaha's elite real estate group. I mean, he's really got this figured out, right? we how to net a million dollars without being beholden to other people when he walks into the local mall. And it's a cool way to conduct business. And net a million bucks, 600 homes a year. Five years ago, they were doing 80. So we took this, all this footage and we broke it down to 76 videos. We made 73 quizzes to make sure you get it in your head and we included a bunch of downloads that he and his team use we got videos of their secret team meetings of their admin meetings of their uh, agent accountability meetings we got videos of their agents prospecting to real life clients find out how you can build a team where everybody gets along with an incredible culture where everybody is hired right from the beginning. Massive amounts of retention here, people stay. And how agents lead generate from day one for their entire life there. I mean, it's unlike any team I've ever seen. And uh, you can get it now at rebusuniversity.com. For the holidays, we are offering 50% off and also because it's a brand new product. So it's gonna be a limited time. We're going to offer 50% off, so jump on over to rebusuniversity.com and check it out. I even put some free videos and free quizzes, like three of them. I just picked three random ones, so you could go on there and kind of test drive the car for free, so to speak. rebusuniversity.com. What's up, Rockstar Nation? Hey. Hey. We have a super duper week coming up. Yes, we do. On Monday, I got Nav Athwal. He's a founder of Realty Shares. If you know what Realty Shares is, basically, it allows investors to invest in real estate that they normally don't have the time to do all the research and find properties and do inspections and stuff like that for small amounts of money where before you had to be an accredited investor or you had to meet certain guidelines and you had to invest a certain amount. Realty shares has kind of opened that up for the world. And we're going to talk about that. And then Wednesday, I got Mr. Reed Goosen's on the line, and he is a superstar real estate investor. And we're going to talk about all things real estate and the current market and what he thinks about today's market. And then Friday, i reached out to this person and she came on the show. I wasn't sure if she would agree to a show. Basically she created, or she actually bought the technology and bought the company from someone else recently. It's a company called curb call and it's the Uber of real estate agents. So get this. What happens is you sign up for curb call and somebody wants to check out a house. And they're sitting in front of the house, and they go to their curb call app, and boom, it says, you know, show me this house or whatever. Then an agent happens to be sitting around nearby. Let's say they live in the neighborhood, or they're having some lunch or coffee nearby, or they're at their office waiting for a curb call, just like an Uber driver would be waiting around to get pinged. And you run out and show it to them. So, I'm curious what everybody thinks. Will this work? Will this disrupt the industry? Or is it just one of these fly-by-night technology gigs that keeps coming at us in the real estate industry. So it's an interesting conversation. I would love your input afterwards. So it's going to be a good week. I am not going to have episodes the week Christmas to New Year. So I encourage you guys to go back and find some of our best episodes. If you go to highbenddigital.com, remember you can just type in the search bar anything you want. You can type in Visbo, someone asked me the other day about Anthony Margellis, who came on and talked about giving money back to charity in his commissions. And, you know, I told them that I found it for him and gave him it. But I also told them in the future, you know, they can go into the search bar and type in charity and it'll come up. Yeah, they can type in, you can type in anything you want. If you haven't heard uh, Kiyosaki 405, you want to listen to that. And also, the website itself kind of brings up any that are being downloaded a lot and shows them on the front screen so you can get an idea of our top ones anyways guys listen happy holidays everybody i personally am headed to australia australia new zealand with my family i may or may not do an intro from there well actually christmas new year's i won't be but i hope everybody has a great time i'll be on facebook follow me there and and that's it let's jump into today's episode it's gonna be great so i'll talk to you soon bye Okay, Rockstar Nation, wow, I have a special guest today. We're going to dig into some really deep stuff that a lot of agents kind of think about on the peripheral things, but don't really hyper-focus on it, and this guy has hyper-focused on that, and that is Real Estate Agent Branding. I have uh, Mr. Seth Price. He's from Playster on the phone out of of Boston, Massachusetts. And we're going to dig deep, deep, deep into some really good real estate agent branding information, meat and potatoes. So Seth, welcome to Pat Hyman Interviews Real Estate Rockstars.
1: Pat, thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. You have been someone that I've followed for a very long time. Love the work that you're doing.
0: Thanks, buddy. Hey, Seth, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you better?
1: Yeah, so I am a serial entrepreneur um, that did at one point have a realtor's license uh, for about five years in the two thousands uh, in the boom town. boom time. Um, but I've worked primarily in technology for the last you know fifteen years, helping businesses once you know start from scratch, just like every business. Hey, you start. You don't have a customer. You figure out how to get that first customer, that first hundred, that first thousand, and then scale from there. Um, So right now I run what they call industry relations at Playster, which is um, really one of the largest real estate marketing platforms for realtors in the space. Uh, Website, CRM, drip email, that kind of stuff. And what I do is I used to run all of the go-to-market teams, so all the sales, support, marketing, PR, um, and now we have other folks that you know have come up through the ranks that run that. And then what I do now is I evangelize on, hey, digital marketing is a thing we can't ignore, but if you think about just the stats from last year in social, we've only got 9 to 11% of realtors using social to promote their listings, so there's a real disconnect as to, what's happening in the digital world and what people are doing boots on the ground and if that continues we're going to see more and more folks having a real challenging time so my job is to you know sort of make people aware of that and pave the path for them to have success on the web
0: wow Yes. I love it. I love it. I love everything you said. And and there's some really, really interesting things uh, come out of your mouth. And there's there's so much to talk about. I mean, before we started recording, you said something that I, I, I want to jump right into before I forget. And you said, you said nobody wants to do business
1: with a logo. Tell me about yeah, that. I mean, yeah. I mean, logos are impersonal. And And there's a moment where there's a tipping point and that changes, but that only changes once it's personified by people. We like to buy. This has not changed in a millennia. We like to buy from people. We like to buy from people we know, like, and trust. And even on the brand level, so if you think of really large brands, like Apple, even though they had a product, it was evangelized by Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Those were the people that people would line up for to talk to. If you think about Tesla, we've got Elon Musk. Like here's a guy who's gonna go to the moon and beyond and take us with him. So we're attached to that and now the brand, like no one even knows what their logo is. What's the Tesla logo today? And so when you think about that, years down the road we may buy from Tesla after Elon has passed away. But even if we go back 100 years and we go to Ford, now, Ford was just a car maker like any other. What he did was figure out how to make them in production and make them less expensive than anyone else so everyone could have them. But people rallied around Henry Ford. And so that's where we are today.
0: Well, that's, that, that's fascinating. And, and, you know, I, I deal with this struggle even like literally like this morning. Like uh, to give you an example, I was sitting here this morning thinking I don't like my album cover. On my podcast anymore because you know when the picture was taken is about five years ago. I've lost significant amount of weight since then. I, I just look different. I think I yeah. look better now. So I literally sent an email just this morning it was like to one of my graphic guys like you know let's let's take off my picture and maybe even take off my name because maybe I'll have someone else do these podcasts instead of me in the future. And then um and he's like, are you sure you want to do that and And it kind of ties into what you're saying. And I I have a feeling you would say no.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's – this comes – I mean, this is a deeper, maybe a longer question, but this comes to a strategic plan plan that you have for your business long-term. So if you are looking to exit, it is very difficult to exit with a name unless you build it so strong and so powerfully that you don't have to be around. So if we think in real estate, we think Barbara Corcoran did a fantastic job. But even when you think of that organization, Barbara still comes to mind, even though she doesn't have anything to do with a company. And so when you think about those sort of long-term strategies, that's when you make a decision of, hey, when do I shift more towards a logo or a representation? So you're, you're saying
0: she was the anomaly.
1: She was the anomaly. She was the anomaly. It, the anomaly. And,
0: they, and they lucked out because she she built a positive, a massive positive worldwide fame for herself after the that's fact right. that actually elevated them, not, oh, not, not by design, but... Uh, no, not by design. They were
1: lucky she didn't crash and burn. Right. They were lucky she went involved in some sex scandal or something. Yeah. yeah, or whatever it was, that would have tanked their business. So that's a question you have when you're looking about scale. So if you think of any, they call them SaaS, software as a service. Any SaaS company, they are never named for founders because they're generally venture-backed, meaning a whole bunch of people are going to invest money. They don't want to invest money just in Pat because, hey, Pat, you may not be doing a good job as a CEO. We may replace you. We don't want it to be an issue of replacing Pat. But that's different.
0: So so there's, it's really on two levels that we're talking about here. We're talking about, number yeah. one, the level of the, the hometown Realtor. And then we're talking yeah. about a level. and and maybe it's going to be hard to really find out where that line is where someone wants to scale. And I'll give you an example. You know, a lot of agents are scaling. Their business to what they're calling expansion teams. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with that term, but expansion teams. And so with that, removing their name on a lot of them. Yeah. Right. Yep. And maybe we could we could talk about that. Okay. So l- let me start with this. You're saying,
1: yeah.
0: As the hometown realtor, it's just you, or maybe you got a couple, five or six assistants. You got a little mini team going. You definitely want to be Pat Hyman Real Estate Group because people do not want to do business with a logo. Even though they may Correct. never talk to you again, other than at that first listing appointment, if that's the case, which they know deep down or, or hopefully a competing agent that's competing against this team will tell them deep down they may never hear that agent again they still will pick that agent or may pick that agent because they don't want to do business with the logo they want to do business with a person that's why agents continue to put their picture everywhere because it helps people want to do business it with does. a person uh, even though they might not ever meet that person they feel like they're doing business with the person so at what time do you remove that logo do you remove that picture do you move that name and say hey I'm going to be Omaha's elite real estate team like Jeff Cohn has done. He'll do over a thousand units this year. And he didn't want it to be the Jeff Cohn team because he didn't want people calling, asking for Jeff Cohn or having that obligation or that uh, feeling uh, beholden to certain things in that business. So maybe you could help us with that.
1: Yeah. So I'd say um, the majority of realtors in this space need to focus on them and their personal brand. Now, once you start scaling beyond 25, 50 folks in your team or in your organization, then you really need to think about how do you create a brand that doesn't scare off potential folks that you want to recruit, right? Because I may not want to go work under, I may have an ego, right? I want to be Seth Price. I don't want to go work under Pat because then I got to say, hey, I'm with the Pat Hyben team. Like that may be a challenge. So that moment when you clearly you've created the infrastructure to scale, so have some consistent production, you've got lead generation and process, you've got follow up, you've got, you know, closing processes, you've got folks that are buyer and seller reps, you've got a system from there, you can easily start shifting how you talk about your company. There is nothing wrong. It happens all the time. But the lowest hanging fruit is the part that I'm talking about, which is the rainmakers of an organization. We center around humans. And even if you are a person in that organization, like your family knows you. They don't know the brand that you decided to work with and they are going to recommend you. So leveraging that, because brand is just trust, right? It's just the embodiment of reputation and trust. And if that's the case, it's so much easier. Like, think about it, if we were sitting across from each other and we shook hands, and then at the end of it, we had a great time, we gave each other a bear hug, like, I will remember that forever. Oh yeah, that's that guy, I remember that guy. This conversation is the same, it's a human to human conversation. I may be interested after that to find out more about Pat Hyben. Like, I may start exploring your website. This is the beginning along that road to recognition. And so to answer your question succinctly, is there's a moment once you've created a business, if you haven't created a business yet in this industry, like, hey, you can count on and you can predict sales, then don't worry about, hey, scaling down in the future. But once you have, then you have to start thinking about naming conventions and making sure that you are a rainmaker within a larger organization.
0: Hmm. And so at the end of the day, it just comes to well. Let's just go with what you said, and nobody really knows. But twenty five people, you know, at some point, I I, 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 I think it doesn't matter too when you're when you're expanding to areas where no one knows who the heck you are, anyways.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. It doesn't matter unless so corporations and even small you know tech companies or venture back companies. We look at the individuals as assets, right? Everybody in an organization is an asset for that business. And if we are so fortunate to have someone like a Pat Hyvin or a Barbara Corcoran in the organization that is just a powerhouse and people gravitate towards them and they get press and they create content. Like, well, if I'm sort of on the board, I want that person front and center because they are it's so much less expensive for them to get eyeballs than it is for me to like pay to get eyeballs. So that's really what this is all about. You've got individuals that have the capacity to connect with the people in their sphere in a really meaningful way. How do you empower that at scale?
0: Yeah, very interesting, fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. I mean, it it is fascinating. It's It's an interesting conversation and some people are able to take that name, right? And keep it forever right? Oh, yeah, and, without and, doubt. But I think what you're saying is the safer route to do is after a certain point, release said name and you'll ha- it'll be easier for you to sell the company if that's what yeah. you want to do. And it has been difficult in the past for real estate agents to sell teams uh, for yeah. any decent yeah. amount of money. And I think that by some of them removing their brand name from it, it's going to make it easier for them to sell it for a significant profit, especially yeah. if a broker buys it. Because at the end of the day, most other agents can't afford to buy your team,
1: right? That's correct.
0: I mean, yeah. but brokers out there can. So if Prudential or Carbill Banker or Century 21 or or whoever wants to grow, they could buy a team, especially if it's not named after you.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. Well, so let's talk about the, let's talk about folks that are trying to figure out, hey, okay, I get this. Sask and Pat, we buy into this whole brand thing. Okay, what am I supposed to do? And I think because that's that's a question that I get day in and day out whenever I'm speaking in front of audiences or I'm on a webinar or a podcast, folks are asking this question. I get it. I want to be better at it, but what do I do? And I'd say the first thing to start is you really need to figure out sort of what's your niche because there are a million, 200,000 realtors in the U S like there's a bunch of me too, but in your community, (laughs) what are you better at than someone else? And it can't just be showing up. Yeah. And it can't can't be
0: being number one. Yeah, I'm number one agent, number one agent husband and wife team group in my company in my, you know, I mean, it's uh, anyway. So, okay. It can't be number one. It can't be something cliche like integrity or a knowledge experience. It's got to be something deeper than that. So how do you find that?
1: Yeah. So I've got a few questions that I suggest people answer. So the first one is regardless of the market, what are the experts in your industry that you want to model? So who who is doing what you aspire to do? But not like, hey, I all of a sudden want to be you know, Apple because I've, you know, I've made my first tech thing. But this is about who in the general niche, like maybe two, three, four steps ahead of you, is really doing what you aspire to do. Have they niched niche down? Study them. We learn by modeling. So that's number one. And then you want to think about your, I call it a micro niche. Can you boil down, Your area of expertise into a highly specialized niche. So, here's a few examples. If I really know about investment and I know about 1031 exchange, like there is nothing wrong with doubling down and being the expert in that. So, that has two sides of it. One, you actually need to be the expert in it. So, you need to know more about it than most people, which only takes, you know, three or 400 hours of study. Like, that's not a lot of time to figure that out. On the other side, then it's about really. Focusing your communication with folks so everyone knows, all of the people in your office knows that if there's a question about investment, like they should go to Pat. Like, Pat's the guy. If you want to know, like, hey, there's this arcane law, or who are the folks that really handle 1031 exchanges the best, we got to talk to Pat to find out who he would recommend. Because if we think about our own lives, we all have someone hey, we all have someone we call to talk about cars. We all have someone we we call to talk about tech. We all have someone we call to talk about, you know, yard work and housework, whatever that is. That's a very specialized expertise that someone has generated because of their passion. Then the next part is you want to figure out, hey, now that I know who I am, who are the customers that are sort of my best customers and where can I connect with them? Because this is just about like identifying what you're good at and then who are the people that would value that and figuring out how to connect with them so that could be you know your certainly your small sphere your family and friends definitely everyone should know because you know i think a whole bunch of folks have said this but being a secret agent is really just useless right so, you so, start a business
0: so you mean ask go. them is what you're saying go to go to your mom go to go to uh, thanksgiving right? Yeah. Or Christmas or whatever the holidays coming up, go to your family and ask yeah. them a series of questions. What am I good at? What, what's a good question yeah. that everybody listening could write down and ask this holiday season?
1: Yeah. When you think of me and, and my work, what comes to mind? Like what do you, what value do you remember me adding to other folks? And this isn't about, like, some people are going to be a little fluffy, like, oh, Pat, you're great. But some people are going to be really great. You know what you're really good at? You're an excellent listener, and you're a fantastic project manager. You help folks from beginning to end. And this isn't like a slogan that you end up putting on, but it's really about leaning in. You can you can figure out your elevator pitch from there. You can talk about what your value prop is as compared to someone else in your market. And then you can start adding that into the marketing that you talk about. So when someone asks you, hey, Pat, you're a realtor. Like, what makes you different from anybody else? And if you don't have like a, a solid answer to that, like, oh, I know the market better. Like, that's not enough. Mm. And so that's the beginning of figuring this out. And then there's a there's a key step, is once you figure this out, you need to figure out your recurring brand building activity. And what I mean by that is you can't shake enough hands as an individual to build the perfect funnel, right? You can knock on a whole bunch of doors, but the challenge is, is most people don't follow up, right? We get a lead, we touch them two or three times, and then we give up. But 80% of the closes happen on touches 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. And so the thing that you want to do is scale yourself. And you do that by recurring brand building activities. Podcasting is one of them. Authorship and blogging is another Speaking is another. Committee participation is another. These are activities that you can do regularly to showcase your subject matter expertise. And then you've got advocates in the digital world speaking on your behalf, talking about your subject at, at expertise, and you are then a part of the chain. I like, that. Artic-
0: I like that concept, and I want to repeat it. Repetitive brand Re- building Activities. activities and and yeah, now a, more than ever there's social ever. proof of this whether you're you know whether you're 14 years old and you're talking about dj Khaled on snapchat or or yep. you're 29 years old and you're talking about grant cardone on youtube you know these are these are examples of people that had and do repetitive brand building activities to the point where they actually have hired people following around, you know, Snapchatting, Instagram, and YouTubing them throughout the day.
1: Oh, yeah, that's how you they almost, that.
0: yeah, that's how you almost have to think as a real estate agent what are my repetitive brand building activities? You, you should trademark that term there, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, repetitive brand building rbba what's your rbba today
1: there you go go.
0: anyways i like that so keep going
1: so i mean the reason that this is so important is we still like word of mouth is still the primary factor behind from 20 to 50 percent of all purchasing decisions and if that's the case if you are not in front of the people that matter to you your sphere on a regular recurring basis how can they remember to to refer you Because they can't, like they are, they've got ADD like everybody else. They have multiple devices. They've got kids who have multiple devices. They've got a job, a relationship, health. Like they've got the same challenges we all have of being distracted. And, and in real estate, it's even more so. Like 60% of recent home buyers reporting that they found their agent through referral or an agent that they worked with in the past. That's like, that's amazing, even in the world of digital. Mm. So what that doesn't tell you is that the touches are also digital the yeah. touches are to that path
0: yes so so here's the thing cuz i'm uh, it's very interesting you said that because i was just thinking in my mind things have changed so that you can do a lot of business without that repetitive brand building activity if you have a repetitive activity of building your touches your let's say for instance your reviews online you could be an yep. agent that spends zip advertising. But if you're if you've got ten, twelve, you know, raving fan reviews, for instance, I, I interviewed a couple, they were in the top thirty under thirty, and they, you know, spend nothing on advertising, but they have these incredible reviews online that are like three pages long about all the extra services they provided over and above what a typical real estate agent does. That so. is
1: that is recurring brand building activity. It's the same thing. So there's a woman in, in Florida who I love, Jenny Weimert. She now has 560 reviews on Zillow. She did $90 million in sales last year. 60% came from her referral network. Wow. Yeah. Like think about that.
0: So that, that, she, that would be her. Rep- okay. So, so I'm wrong then. That is a brand building. My... My vision of brand building is wrong where it was like you have to pay money to build advertising to build nope, a brand. Not no, at all. Not at all. You, you can could, do it like you Jenny. Could,
1: yeah, or you could, you could be the person that has the most amazing content and maybe it's short form or Facebook Live about your neighborhood. And you actually do it three times a day, 365 days a year. No one crushes it in your neighborhood like you do. Hmm. You are the person. Like it can be any one of those things. It just has to be consistent because if you do it once, like we forget, like, hey, that was great. What happened? Yeah. So it doesn't matter the thing. The key to note is it has to matter to your customer. Mm -hmm. Can't just matter to you. You can't just decide because you like it or you think it's a good idea. If your customers do not resonate with the thing that you're doing, you are not doing a recurring brand building activity. You are just spinning your wheels. Wow.
0: Recurring brand building activity. And it's got to be something that obviously Jenny, who I need to get on the show.
1: Basic, she's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Uh, basically is hyper-focused on Zillow.
1: Um, yeah. Well, not just Zillow. Every so day. Zillow. Repetitive brand so, building yeah. activity. Yeah. So she actually, you know, very intelligently, she realized that, hey, Zillow wasn't touching all of her customers. So she shifted over to Yelp. Mm. And then she also has LinkedIn. And she also has Google. So she has a process. She feels like Zillow's fine. She still manages it. But now she's focusing on these other demographics that use different platforms. She's thinking about the customer, right? Her millennials are not as trustworthy of Zillow as they are of Yelp.
0: Right. Because Zillow's now paid, you know, has a lot of paid-for-services, yeah, uh, exactly. paid, paid advertising. And so they're not as yeah. trustworthy. That's interesting. and. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. I, you know, I know Yelp is blowing up and I talked to another agent who, who does a lot on Yelp. And a lot of people traditionally think Yelp is for restaurants and it is, Yeah, it is. but I never thought of it from the concept of a millennial saying, Hey, well, I don't want to go to a place for reviews where you could actually buy a spot to be a premier agent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the trust key is peace. I mean, authenticity is the currency of trust it really is you're like we have such a hard time as a consumer knowing the truth behind things that the quicker you can share like the real authentic you and be an honest stand up citizen that is trying really honestly trying to help people That will go so much further than anything else. And then you do these activities. And whether that's blogging or podcasting or webinars or Snapchat, whatever it is that is in line with what your customers actually care about, and it could be reviews because they care about that, it doesn't matter what the activity is as long as there's alignment. And then from there, you need to do it at a level where there's some consistency and velocity.
0: Consistency and velocity. So uh, consistency, obviously, because that's that's repetitive brand-building activity like Jenny. Tell me, what is velocity?
1: So velocity, Jenny's a perfect example of velocity, is once she realized that she was onto something, she realized that she needed to go faster than her competitors so she could have a defendable beachhead. Mm. And that defendable beachhead now is, she's got 500. Like, go try and do that,
0: too. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: And so let's say you pick, let's say you decide you want to be the person that in your little neighborhood, that is the community connector and you use Facebook live. So if you do one a week, that's okay. Someone else can start and do one a week. If you do one a week and you get response, maybe you do one a day, maybe you do two a day, but you don't stop. Then all of a sudden, someone's starting a new show when you already have tons of reviews and tons of listeners really hard to compete there. That is your defendable position. That's the velocity part. If you hit on gold, start digging really fast.
0: Wow. I love it. I love it. Double down, right? You know, double I, I, down? I, 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 That's it.
1: Because these go away. I mean, we've experienced them before. Like SEO was one of those that, you know, seven, eight years ago was one of those you could double down on. Yeah. like SEO, Oh, I Started my site, I stuffed it with keywords, I put some content in. I'm in number one spot and we knew that the number one performed ten times more than the number ten.
0: Yeah, the best practices go viral. Right? Like yeah, like of it, it, it used to be like you get a best practice and you could keep it for a year or so, but now you know, Facebook ads is an example. You know, it's a best yeah. it's a best practice. People are killing and making tons of money on it. And like you said, it'll go away. And then another best practice. But everyone finds out these best practices just because we have such a sharing economy. We have so many groups where people say, hey, I'm doing this. You should try it too.
1: Yeah. I think the only thing I would say is just because there are lots of people killing it on Facebook ads doesn't mean you shouldn't do it because there is so much opportunity. I mean, there's 7.5 billion people in the world and we think about just search as an example, there were two trillion or two and a half trillion searches last year on Google. That's five and a half billion a month. So if we think about it, Consumers are so vested in the digital world, and just because some other people are crushing it on Facebook does not mean that you can't crush it in your market in a way that is going to be meaningful for your business. Because if only 9 to 11% of people are promoting their listings in a really nice and tasteful way, like shouldn't you be part of that and make it 15%? Yeah.
0: And Facebook will probably figure out ways to continue to be on the cutting edge. So,
1: oh, without a doubt. So, you know. Without a doubt.
0: Well, this has been great. Wow, Seth, listen, I really, really appreciate you coming in and and sharing. This has been an extremely engaging conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did.
1: Me I'm gonna, too. I do. Lo- I love chatting with you.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna put all of Seth's information on hybendigital.com. I'm gonna put all the information on Playster, everything that he is involved in, and everything we talked about. Uh, hybendigital.com backslash Seth Price. That's hybendigital.com backslash Seth Price. Seth, thanks so much for coming in. And if I'm ever in the Boston, Massachusetts area, I'm definitely going to look you up. We'll get together and break some bread.
1: That sounds fantastic, Pat. Thank you very much.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.